Uh, you probably missed it, uh, but Fairly Legal was a short-lived television show on the USA Network a couple years ago. The show is a legal comedy drama about a woman named Kate Reed, who was an evaluative mediator in her deceased father's law firm. As a mediator, she helps parties in conflict find resolution um, outside of the courtroom, where they can avoid, avoid a, a lengthy court battle. In this, one of the opening scenes of the pilot episode, she finds herself mediating a holdup in a uh, coffee shop. With some quick thinking and some mad mediation skills, she coaxes the robber into running away with just a case of beer and a canister of beef jerky, although for her trouble, she doesn't even get herself a free coffee. Uh, maybe you're not idea with this, uh, familiar with this idea of legal mediation, but it's actually a very important part of our legal system. Every judge will tell you that if there's a way to get two parties to negotiate outside of the courtroom, it's better for everybody. But oftentimes those parties are so at odds that they're incapable of sitting down at the same table together. They need a mediator. They need someone to go between and help them work out a solution. We all need mediators. We live in a world of conflict and disagreement and schism, made worse by hatred and arrogance. We need a certain type of person who can step into conflict and help us sort it out in a way that satisfies both parties. And this is true in a variety of ways, too. We need mediators who can help us work out our conflicts with each other. And we need people who are able to help us work out our conflicts with God. Because not only are we very good at getting into disagreements with other people, we're very good at getting into disagreements with God. And the disagreements that we get into with God, they're not over, you know, beer and jerky. They're over more significant things like guilt, shame, sin. And those aren't things you can run away from. Those aren't things you can talk your way out of. We need a mediator. We need someone to go between and help us find resolution and quickly because the consequences of us not sorting out our disagreements with God, they're, they're actually fairly serious. Uh, we're not talking jail time. We're not talking fines. Uh, we're talking eternal condemnation. We're talking hell. Thankfully, we do have such a mediator who can stand in the middle and help God and us sort out our problems. His name is Jesus. Now, this Jesus actually goes by a lot of different names. It goes by different names and titles. Son of God, Son of Man, Prophet, Christ, Teacher. Uh, but he also goes by the name Mediator. Right now, we're in a, a summer teaching series called Summer in the Sun, in which we're trying to get to know Jesus a little bit better. And one of the ways we're trying to get to know Jesus is by studying some of the titles and some of the names. There are a lot used of Jesus in the New Testament. You can learn a lot about somebody by... Uh, talking about their names or titles. Jesus goes by many names and titles in the New Testament, uh, one of which is mediator. Paul writes to his student Timothy, for example, in 1 Timothy, there is one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men. And the author of Hebrews writes to his readers, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from their sins. 
Jesus is introduced to us in the Bible as a mediator. Now, the Greek word for mediator is the word mesetes. Everybody say mesetes. Mesetes, it means uh, mediator, but it also means uh, intercessor or reconciler. Uh, one of my favorite possible meanings of the word mesetes is a go-between. That's what a mesetes is. That's what a mediator is. A mediator is someone who goes between two parties. As I mentioned, very often we need someone who goes between us. Even when we were kids and we got, got in arguments with our siblings, this is what our moms would do, right? They would mediate. They would go between. My mom would sit me and my brothers or my sister down on the couch. We'd like force our way to opposite ends of the couch. Wouldn't even want to look at the other person. My mom would sit between, make us talk, make us listen, make us apologize for what we need to apologize for, force us to work out a solution, make us shake hands and make up. That's what moms do. They help us mediate. And even today, we still need mediators, whether we're talking business or marriage or family or neighborhoods or churches. Conflict happens easily. I was involved in a conflict a few years ago, just an ordinary, normal conflict with somebody. It was just a little too hard to work my way out of, so we both brought in a friend to help us mediate our way through it. Oftentimes, we need someone to step in and help us sort it out. Usually, we're too emotionally involved in the conflict to sort our way out of it. Sometimes when I'm uh, mediating conflict between married couples or church members, which is, you know, part of the gig. There will be a moment in the conversation where the two people will just kind of both look at me with their hands out like this and their kind of eyes open and sometimes tears in their eyes and they both look at me like, we, we can't do this. We, we need somebody else. We all need mediators. And we need mediators who know what they're doing, too. Mediation is hard work. People actually go to school to learn mediation. It requires quick thinking, calm under pressure, emotional sensitivity, communication skills, courage. I had the very unique privilege of being part of a mediation here at Rooftop many years ago, over 10 years ago, and watched skilled mediators at work. In the early days of Rooftop, uh, we had a conflict here between leaders and staff. I don't know if you've realized this, but churches can, be, um, churches can, can have conflict. Everyone's got opinions. And we get into little things. And a lot of times they turn into bigger things. And we had this conflict, and it was uh, particularly acrimonious. And to everyone's great sorrow, there was uh, yelling and shouting and crying and distrust and all the things you don't want to see in churches that you just kind of see in churches. And the conflict actually threatened the very unity and integrity of our congregation. So what did we do? We actually paid thousands of dollars to bring in a Christian mediation firm to help us sort it out. They had us all involved, like sit down on couches, listen to each other, share our stories, make apologies where we needed to, look for compromise where we could. Relationships are difficult. Church is complicated. Marriage is hard. Conflict happens easily in all sorts of ways. We need mediators who know what they're doing and can go between us and help us find peace and resolution. Now, if this is how much we need mediation between each other, imagine how much more we need mediation between us and God. Because the truth is that we have trouble getting along with God more than we do any other person. As separated as we get from others, we are even further separated from God. And I'm not just talking about being in conflict with God. I'm talking about like being 
estranged from God. The word that the Bible uses to describe our relationship with God is that we are alienated from God. We are so separated from God that it's like we're aliens living on a different planet. And we are aliens to God, not home in his presence, and we are alienated from God for a couple reasons. First of all, our humanity, our humanity alienates us from God. We are human beings. We are physical beings. We have bodies. We have physical limits. God, on the other hand, is not like us. God is, in the words of the theologians, transcendent. God is above our plane of reality. He is invisible. He occupies all space and time. He sees all. We are not like that. We are tiny little creatures who can barely see beyond the tips of our noses, let alone perceive the transcendent reality beyond us. As God says of himself through the prophet Isaiah, for my thoughts... Not your thoughts. My ways, mm -mm, not your ways. The chasm between God and us is many times greater than, as we've said, the chasm between like us and bugs. Bugs, us, us. God. Our humanity alienates us from God, but so does our sin. God is holy. To be holy means to be separate. It means to be morally perfect. We are not. We are sinners who lust and gossip and covet and lie and disappoint. God loves us, but he did not create us to live the lives we do. He created us to live lives of humility and obedience and love. Instead, though, we choose to ignore his commands and hurt each other and hurt ourselves. As a result, the Bible actually says that we are God's enemies. The Bible says we are God's enemies. As Paul says in Colossians, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. I hate to break this news to you this morning that you are an enemy of God's. I mean, you might not have a lot of enemies. You might not have any enemies. You might work really hard to not have any enemies. But oops, you have an enemy in the creator of the universe. You probably know that God is not the sort of enemy you want to have. Because of your actions, your inactions, that's the nature of our relationship with him. We are his enemies. Now, God still loves us. But because of our actions or inactions, we've been made his enemies. He's got to put us somewhere when we die. And because we're still stuck in our sin and guilt, he can't put us in heaven. That would just muck the place up. It'd be like putting a mud-covered dog in a perfectly white dining room. The place for sinners, the place for God's enemies, is to be removed permanently, separated from him. The place for God's enemies is hell. So our sin, our human status, separate us from God. And on, on certain, we, we like to ignore that fact. We like to like, not go through life thinking, oh, I'm an enemy of God today. We like to ignore that. But every now and then, I think we know it. On certain days, we know that we're alienated from God. We know that we're living lives separate from him, and we know we need a mediator. We know we need someone to stand between and help us sort it out. On certain days, we know that, but who's going to do that? Who's going to stand in the gap between God and us? The lawyer from Fairly Legal? I mean, she's cute and sassy, but we're talking about conflict with God here. 
Even the authors of Scripture know there's not really anyone who can fill that role. As Eli points out in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel, if one person sins against the other, God may mediate for the offender. But if anyone sins against the Lord, who's going to mediate for them? Good question. Who is possibly qualified to mediate between us and the God of the universe? Who's going to stand in that gap? Who's going to go between those two parties? Even Job asked the, the same question. I don't know if you know the Old Testament character Job, but he had a, he had a little bit of a conflict with God. And he was trying to figure out how to sort it out. He knew he needed someone to help him work it out, but he didn't know who. As he asks, God is not like a man that I might answer him, that we might confront each other in court. If only there were someone to mediate between us, Job asks. If only there were someone to mediate between us, to lay his hand upon us both. We are deeply at odds with God, and Job's hope still stands. If only there were someone, anyone, to mediate between God and us, so that we can work out our conflict with him before we die. If only there were someone. Oh, but there is. And this is the good news. The very good news is that God himself came to mediate our conflict with him and as a man so that we could understand what was going on. This is the message of Christianity, that God in his love came to earth himself as a man to serve as the go-between. God did so in Jesus Christ, our mediator. Jesus is the God who goes between. Jesus is our mediator. And he's a good one. Jesus went to mediation school. Got top marks. Got lots of experience sorting out conflict. Jesus is very good at going between. How, how does Jesus go between God and us? Well, Jesus goes between God and us in three ways that I want to share with you this morning. Ways that are brought to you by the letter R. Jesus is our mediator. And Jesus is our go-between in that, first, he reveals God to us. Jesus is our go-between in that he represents our needs to God. And Jesus is our go-between in that he restores our relationship with God. First, Jesus is our go-between in that he reveals God to us. To be a mediator doesn't just mean to sort out a conflict. It actually means to reveal the will and the desires and the character of one person to another party. To be a mediator means to be an intermediary, someone who helps two separate parties communicate. And when it comes to God, we need someone through whom God can communicate. Like I said, we are not like him. He is beyond what we can know and interact with. But God still wants to engage us, so he came as a man to reveal himself. This was actually Moses' chief role in the Old Testament. I don't know if you've ever heard the name Moses. But Moses was an Israelite, and the Israelites were God's people in the Old Testament. And God really wanted to have a relationship with the Israelites. But every time God showed up to engage the Israelites, what would the Israelites do? They would run away terrified <laughs> because they wanted nothing to do with big, scary God in the sky. So what did God do? Well, he picked a guy, Moses, just this guy. He said, Moses, you're going to be my intermediary. As God explains in Deuteronomy to Moses, 
I, God, will put my words in your mouth, Moses, and you will tell the people everything I command you. Moses was one of God's first mediators. The problem with Moses, though, is that he stunk as a mediator. Actually, he didn't stink. He was like B minus. But he didn't do good enough. So finally, God said, all right, enough delegating. I'm come down and do my own intermediary work. He came as a man himself, as John writes in chapter 1 of his book in the New Testament. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, was mediated by Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. Remember, God is beyond what we can see, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known through Jesus to us in ways we can perceive. Maybe for the story uh, of the little girl uh, drawing a, a picture in Sunday school, a teacher's walking around class, this fly is killing <laughs> All right, fly's gone. <laughs> Maybe you've heard the story of a little girl in Sunday school who's <laughs> drawing a picture. And uh, the Sunday school teacher comes around and asks the little girl what she's drawn. And the little girl says, uh, I'm drawing a picture of God. Teacher says, oh, well, no one, no one has ever seen God. No one knows what God looks like. Little girl says, oh, they want a second. <laughs> Jesus is God's drawing. His drawing. Jesus came to earth as he did so that we can get to know him as he gets to know us. This is what intermediary go-betweens do. They reveal the wills and the desires of their respective parties. And this is important because it reminds us that God wants to be known. God is not the God of the deists. God is not even the God of the Muslims, who doesn't really care that much about whether or not we know who he is. He wants us to know him, and... He wants us to know that he wants us to know him. So he came as a man so that we could get to know him intimately. Our part in this mediation is to get to know him as a man intimately. Get to know Jesus as he represents God. And if you've ever wanted to get to know God, who God is, what he's like, Read the Gospels, get to know what his intermediary reveals about him. You'll find that God is a very interesting person. Jesus came as a go-between to reveal God to us. Also, as God's go-between, Jesus represents our needs to God. As a representative, Jesus conveys our interests. He works on our behalf. He takes what he knows we need to God. As Paul writes to the Romans, Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. To intercede uh, means to advocate for. It means to mediate for. Jesus is standing between a holy, perfect God and us terrible sinners, advocating for us, conveying our needs to God. We need someone to do this because we're not too good at doing it ourselves. When I'm mediating conflict uh, between married people, or between church members, or even between my own you know, family members, I find myself saying something an awful lot. I find myself saying this. 
What I think this person is trying to say here, correct me if I'm wrong, is this. Is, is, that, is that what you're trying to say? What trying to say? Yeah. That's what this person is trying to say. What they are trying to convey, right, is, is, is kind of, you hear what they're, they're trying to say. And this is important because we're not good at representing our own interests. We're not good at saying what we're trying to say. We don't even know what we want to say. We don't even know what we want. We don't know what we need. We're not good with words, especially in God's holy presence. We need someone standing between a holy God and us saying, what I think God, what I think Matt is trying to say here is, is this. Is that, kind of, is that kind of right, Matt, what, I'm tr- what, what I think I hear you trying to say to God? We need someone doing that. Better yet, we actually need someone doing more than that. We need someone saying, God, what I think Matt is trying to say here to you is, is this. Right? Is that what I'm saying? But, but, what Matt really should be saying right now <laughs> is, is He's, he's, he, what he should be saying is, is this. So I'll just kind of go ahead and say it for him. You know, we'll say it together. In a very real way, this is what happens in prayer. When we pray, who knows what's going to come out of our pie holes, right? Usually, forgive me, just a bunch of crap. I don't know what I need. I don't know what I want. I don't know what I should ask for. I don't know what I should say. All I know is that I desperately need God. So I just vomit out words. Welcome to Rooftop. I just vomit out words and trust that Jesus, my mediator, can collect them, put up with my messiness, my vomitousness, and present them in in buckets (laughs) to God, saying, what Matt was trying to say, (laughs) this is prayer. This is what happens when we pray. We throw up, and God takes it, interceding, mediating for us. Jesus takes it to God. But in order for Jesus to mediate, what do we have to do? We have to vomit. You have to pray. You have to stop worrying about praying the right things. You have to stop worrying about how you sound when you pray in front of other people. You just have to throw it up. Jesus is our go-between, and then he reveals God to us, he represents our needs to God, and lastly, Jesus restores us to God. He restores us to God. The biggest problem between God and us is our guilt and our sin. God is a loving God who wants to live in an eternal relationship with us. Our Father created us, he really did, so that we could live in perfect fellowship with him forever. That's his dream. But we are sinners with a record. 
We have dirt on our hands. We have dirt under our fingernails. We have dirt in every crevice of our soul. God is love, but God is also justice. Sin needs to be punished, and the purity of heaven needs to be protected. He can't let us into heaven to muck up the place with our sin and guilt. Grandmas do not let dirt-covered little children sit on their couches. Get off, get off, get off, get off, get off. Anybody's grandma ever tell them that? Get off my couch. Why would God let us run around heaven with all our sin and dirt? We'd just muck up the place and ruin it for everybody. In order to live in heaven forever with God, we need a mediator who can help us sort this out, who can help us clean ourselves up. Jesus did that. God decreed that the only way our sin and guilt could be addressed was by a perfect sacrifice. Somebody had to go to jail to satisfy God's justice. And Jesus did that. Our mediator gave up his life for our sakes. As the perfect man, Jesus was the only one who could do that. As Paul writes, there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself up as a ransom for all men. The mediator ends up giving his life to reconcile the parties. It reminds me of uh, my favorite scene from an old movie, uh, The Last of the Mohicans, which is very loosely based on the book by Cooper. In the scene, a Cora Monroe is a, a British uh, woman who has been captured by the Huron Indians. She is being put on trial for the crimes of her people against the Huron. The elder of the tribe demands her life for these crimes. A British soldier named Duncan Hayward steps in to attempt mediation, asking if there's some other way to satisfy the tribe's demand for justice. The elder is unmoved, though. The crimes of the colonials against his people are too great. Someone must pay for justice to be done. So then Duncan offers a deal. Take me instead, he says. Set Cora free, take me instead. Now, the elder is actually surprised at what would motivate this offer until he sees Duncan's love for Cora in his eyes, and then he agrees. Duncan is hoisted into the flames while Cora goes free. The mediator becomes the sacrifice. The go-between becomes the ransom payment. That's what Jesus did for us. In his love for us, he volunteered his life for our sin so that we could go free. He mediated the conflict so that we could live forever. As Hebrews says, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set us free from sin. If you've not yet been freed from your guilt and from your sin, that's your opportunity this morning to be freed from your guilt and from your sin. You just need to believe. In order to be forgiven, that's all you need to do. You just need to believe. You need to believe that what Jesus did on the cross was sufficient and that there's nothing else to do except maybe get baptized and sort of seal the deal. You just gotta believe. I mean, you can be freed. If you've ever walked around feeling burdened by your sin and guilt, you can be freed of that sin and guilt this morning, right now. You can be reconciled with your creator today, in this moment, right now. All you gotta do is believe. That sounds too good to be true. It's not. It can happen right now. You just gotta pray. You just gotta bow your head and say, I believe. I wanna be free. You don't even have to bow your head. You can do whatever you want with your head. 
But you got to do something in your heart and your mind. You got to say, God, I want to be free of my guilt and sin. That can happen right now. You can take care of that eternal conflict in your soul right now today. You can talk to me afterwards. You can fill out a blue info card. Do it on your own. Just got to do something. Doesn't just happen. People aren't just naturally forgiven. You got to be forgiven. And if you have been set free from your sins by Jesus, we who have been set free, we need to remember what we've been set free to do and what we have not been set free to do. We haven't been set free to keep on sinning. We haven't been set free to yell at our spouse and kids. We haven't been set free to be greedy and anxious with our money. We haven't been set free to abuse our bodies with food and alcohol and inactivity. We haven't been set free to lust at pornography. We have not been set free to say mean things about foreigners or immigrants or trans people or minorities or anybody. We haven't been set free to ignore the poor we haven't been set free to ignore the unborn. We haven't been set free to ignore the disabled. We've been set free to love and serve others with the grace of Jesus Christ. We've been set free to shout from the rooftops the love of God that Jesus showed us so perfectly on the cross in giving up his life so that we could be set free. That is the message that we preach here at Rooftop. That is the message we will always preach here at Rooftop. The love of God seen in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross for sinners like us.